Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Hey, can you guys help me uh, give it up for the band over here? They're pretty all right, I would say. I would say. That's my little sister right there, by the way. Um, I think she was born in 1986, I believe. Were you born in 1986? Okay, see, I don't know how I knew that, but I knew that. Um, and, and here's the thing. I, I actually want to show, so what I'm going to talk about in the beginning, it, it hasn't even happened yet. 1986 hasn't happened. Uh, Ron, show that picture. This is me. 1984. I was eight years old. You could do the math on your own. What happened in 1984? Actually, let me just do a poll. Um, how many people in this room were not even yet born in 1984? Come on, raise your hand. I have a feeling it's going to be a bunch of you. Okay. So some of you might not have any clue what I'm talking about. Some might remember, you know, history books or whatever. Uh, let, let's have a little fun. Talk about 1984 for a second. Uh, 1984, Macintosh was introduced for the very first time. Okay. Okay. Uh, Prince's Purple Rain came out in 1984. When Doves Cry is the number one song of that year. I couldn't care less. I've never liked Prince. I never will. All I know is Lionel Richie's Hello came out that year, and that's my kind of song right there. Is it me you're looking for? Uh, MLB's longest game ever. Uh, took place in 1984 between the White Sox and the Brewers. It was eight hours and six minutes long. Thank God for the pitch count now, the pitch clock. Uh, the Tigers won the World Series that year. Uh, the Raiders beat my team, the Redskins, in the Super Bowl that year. The Summer Olympics were held in Los Angeles. Some of you may remember that. Um, a woman... Geraldine Ferraro, the first woman ever to run on a major party's ticket. That happened in 1984. Um, ends up that Ronald Reagan was elected for a second term in 84. Uh, Alex Trebek hosted Jeopardy for the first time in 1984. Uh, the highest grossing movie of that year was Ghostbusters. And it was a leap year. That's 1984. And again, I was eight years old in 1984. And I remember on May 31st of that year, praying to God and asking him to be my savior and to follow him for the rest of my life. I still remember that night. That was the night I became a Christian. And I want to say that I fully knew what I was saying and what I was doing at that time. And again, uh, piggybacking off of this awesome baptism and people's stories, again, for me, that was my time. Now, years later, I got baptized. Um, I think I was the end of my high school days. I may have done that. 
I ended up going to Bible college after that. And lo and behold, here I am as a pastor. Never in a million years would I have thought that, and maybe, maybe you either. Um, certainly interesting how life works out, isn't it? Uh, when we think back over the course of our life and how you got here today, it's always going to be an interesting story with lots of twists and turns. And most of the time, we don't know what we're doing. I mean, there's not super intentionality behind it. Um, but we can look back and we can see those very pivotal moments in our life. And we can't predict them in the moment. But let me tell you something. God knew that that moment was going to take place. In fact, in Psalm 139, verse 16, this is what he says. Some of you may be familiar with this verse out of the Bible. It says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book, and every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. I find that verse to be an incredible verse. Even though you don't know what's coming, right around the corner, maybe even later today or tomorrow, God has already mapped it out. He already knows what's going to happen. So now, fast forward to today, I have two kids of my own. Both of them are teenagers, so I would say probably the hardest, most challenging parts of their life. Um, uh, and I guess I should say, and mine too. <laughs> if you're a parent of a teenager, you know. And now, as my daughter prepares to go into her senior year, and next year maybe we'll be off to college, who knows. Uh, you know, I'm mentally preparing myself for that let go and just, you know, life is going to happen, Right? And I have to hope that we have done our best to teach and to train our children and work through those feelings and the emotions of letting her go off into the big scary world on her own. She has to. We all did. We've all, as an adult, come to that threshold. And in these moments, I just, re I just pray that they will remember that God loves them no matter what. That he is always going to be there for them. And that they could trust his capable hands, honestly, with anything that comes along for all the twists and turns. And so a question I'm perpetually asking myself, though, as a parent, is are my kids anchored in God? And I would challenge you, parents, to ask the same thing. Are your children anchored in God? Today, for the few minutes that we have, I want to talk about kids, I want to talk about parenting, and I want to talk about faith, and I want to talk about the intersection of all of those things, if you'll allow me. According to one study, 63, 63% of everyone who calls themselves a Christian says they received Jesus between the ages of 4 and 14. Think about that for a moment. 63% of all Christians who made their decision between the ages of 4 and 14. That is significant. That's significant. Birth to 8 may be the most significant developmental stage of a human being. That's what we often call the formative years, right? This is when, and they call it that because this is when it's the time of their life where uh, our brains develop the fastest. 
And so their experiences that happen during that first eight years of their life, whether positive or negative, affects them the rest of their life. So when we talk about love, what does love look like? What does love feel like? What does what significance look like and feel like and security look like and feel like? The formative years matter so much. Now, 1984 was the year, as I said, that I received Jesus, but so much had happened to me prior to that. In my formative years, I feel very blessed and very lucky. My parents were available. They were present. They were approachable. They were active in my life. My parents disciplined me continually. I have stories, but I'm out of time, so I can't tell my stories. Psalm 1, uh, Proverbs 1, verse 8, and I'm going to talk to kids for a couple minutes here. It says this. It says, children, my child, listen when your father corrects you. And don't neglect your mother's instructions. And if I was to do a poll of all the kids in this room, they would not like this verse very much. <laughs> I see that. But yet, that's what we're called to do. And, and, and I want you to say this. Correction and discipline is a form of love. Okay? In Ephesians 6, maybe this is a passage you've heard before, verses 1 through 3 says this. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. And this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and your mother. And this is the first commandment with a promise. So first I want to stop there and say, look at what kids are called to do. They're called to obey and to honor. To obey and to honor. It's very challenging, especially when you disagree with the rules that are laid down, with mom and dad's approach. And yet God calls you to honor, to put them above your own wishes and needs. They just might, they just might have a little more experience and knowledge than you. And then it goes on, it says, this is the first commandment of the promise, though. What's that promise? If you do this, if you honor your uh, father and mother, things will go well for you. And you will have a long life on the earth. Now, again, this is a difficult passage of scripture because I can't say that this happens in every single circumstance. But here's the idea. That God is saying, for those under the authority of mom and dad, if you are honor and respecting and loving well, chances are your life is going to take some different turns than it would if you didn't do that. Parents, as kids enter the early adolescence and the teen years, their capacity to learn and adjust and be resilient is at an all time high. Of course, we know social influences at this time become very, very important, and they become a defining factor in their choices. Now, during this time, again, adolescent, teen years, uh, the brain physically stops growing, okay? So it's going to get to its, its maximum capacity, but also, here's the thing, it doesn't stop developing. In fact, science and research tells us that it's usually in the mid to late 20s that the brain develops, uh, uh, eventually develops fully and matures. This means, parents, that your role in your kid's life 
even into their 20s, is absolutely vital and critical. And while they are under your guidance and care, there are going to be times that you must put your foot down on behalf of your children. Make decisions that you believe are best for them, regardless of what they think. Regardless of what they may think is best for them in the moment and what, they're, what they need. Chances are likely they don't fully understand that decision. You see, influence, it's what is what it's all about, parents. How are you influencing your children? And I want to encourage you to be the primary influence in their life. And you need to be careful how you influence. There are verses specifically for you as well. I want to look at those. Ephesians 6, 4. This is a continuation of the passage I just read a minute ago. It says this. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. I think guys especially, we have a tendency to get angry, to be curt, to cut your kids short. Be careful. Warnings. It says, rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. In other words, you need to know where you're going in order to lead someone there. Check this verse out. Proverbs 22, 6, it says, direct your children onto the right path. And when they are older, they will not leave it. So... Moms, dads, guardians, your responsibility is to direct. Your responsibility is to bring them up with discipline and instruction. So I looked up this word influence because that's the word I really like. How are we influencing our kids? And the word influence means literally to pour into. Do you remember last week when Mike was here doing the pottery and he, he, he made that, that vessel, Right? It's kind of like that. What are you pouring in to your kids? How are you flowing into their life? How are you directing into their life? And like I said, by the way, what flows out of you is what flows into you, right? So how are you putting up boundaries for yourself? Now I want to talk about faith, and then I'm going to bring everything together here. I talked to kids for a couple minutes. I talked to parents, and I want to talk about faith. You know, it's very interesting to me. Something changes inside of you when you have kids, doesn't it? Your entire worldview changes. Sudden you, suddenly you feel this, like, immense responsibility for things that you never felt before. And by the way, and that, and that's a good thing. Okay? You know that you have responsibility for another person and their well-being. And this impacts you more deeply. And I've probably said this before. Um, I could be watching a diaper commercial and I will start crying. Dads, you might feel me on that. Or, you know what, even like MMA fighting. Like, it's hard for me to watch. It wasn't before I had kids. Just me? 
I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Everything has changed the way I view the world since I've had kids. And it's very interesting, though, to me, spiritually speaking, uh, parents suddenly feel something different as well. There's a, there's a greater responsibility that they realize when it comes to the spirituality of their kids. And often people, many who have maybe not even grown up in church, uh, have an interest in their children receiving blessing and spiritual instruction. And maybe that's you. Maybe you're sitting in here and that's kind of why you're here today. You say, I realize my kids need something maybe that I don't have or I haven't tapped into in a really long time. And I get these phone calls, emails all the time about this. Hey, now we have kids. I was wondering if we could check out your church. What is a kid's ministry like or whatever? Or, hey, we're interested in um, child dedication. That's what we do here. Maybe others in other churches will do child baptism. But this is why people get interested in this thing, right? They want to introduce their kids to receive a foundation of faith. And I think this is awesome. And what an opportunity for us as the church, by the way. What an amazing opportunity to love on kids well, to teach them well to pour into and be influences in their life. By the way, I was walking around getting changed, whatever, and those kids are having a blast across the hall. It's awesome, and I'm so grateful for what we have here. So yeah, when we talk about those formative years, and we talk about the development of our minds, it's very important to be plugged in to spiritual formation. Absolutely. Bring them to church. Except I want to put a little asterisk next to this. And I know I'm going to do this on the spot, but maybe there's some math geniuses out there. Does anybody know how many hours there are in a week? Anybody? Do the math real quick. I could help you. 168. 168 hours in one week. And if you're relying on the church for spiritual instruction formation, let's, let's, let's take out the hours that that might happen. An hour? Two, three, maybe you have an awesome youth ministry. Four, parents, that leaves you with a ton of hours every single week. 167, 166 out of the 168. In other words, spiritual formation cannot just be on the church. Spiritual formation is what is happening in families and through parents each and every consistent day. So, I want to talk about three things out of today. I got to be honest, Leanne mentioned it. Part of this message resonated with me when we hosted 43 or more kids at a VBS a couple weeks ago. And it was such a cool thing to be invested into their lives. And I wanted to talk about this because actually, one of those nights, the teaching director came up to me and said, I would love for you to share your story about when you decided to follow Jesus. But I'm getting ahead of myself. I want to tell you three things as I kind of am getting to the close here. Number one is this. Do not underestimate your child's capacity for faith. Do not underestimate your child's capacity for faith. I was eight. 
I was eight. And I knew exactly, and throughout my life, and I see God's hand and his provision and his blessing and his guidance and his direction, and much of that came through my mom and dad. But do not underestimate what it means in those formative years of your kid's life. Do not underestimate a child's capacity for faith. Influence them. Pour into them about a faith that God loves them, that God died for them. He's the creator of the universe, and he still did all that for them because he thought of them. Number two, do not underestimate Jesus for your children. This is an interesting story in the Bible. Matthew chapter 19, I'm going to read it here. Because what's happening is people are flocking to see this Jesus guy. They're very intrigued by him. They had not seen a teacher or religious leader like him before. And so again, this, this movement called The Way started to spread throughout the world, right? And he has people now that is walking with him, people that he's discipled, which by the way, again, another side note, it's very interesting that the word discipline, which we think is very negative, that disciple word is the same as, as discipline, right? Is disciple. It's a walking with, it's a walking toward. But anyway, um, and so they're like, oh, all these kids are, are trying and parents are trying to get their kids to Jesus and all the disciples are kind of holding them back. No, Jesus doesn't have time. He, he's got things to do. We've got places to go. And Jesus stopped them in their track. In Matthew 19, verse 14, this is what he says. Jesus said, stop it. Let those little children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven in other words, what I want to do on this earth and what I want to do for the ages to come is work through children. It belongs to those who are like these children. And he placed his hands on their heads and he blessed them before he left. Jesus, do not underestimate his concern for your kids. He says, come to me. I'm here for you. And three. And final, do not underestimate your parental charge of spiritual guidance and care. Do not underestimate your call to spiritually guide and direct your children. There's this great passage in the Old Testament as this nation of Israel, which is again the, really the kind of the core uh, character in the beginning part of the Bible, what we call the Old Testament. And there are these instructions going out as this nation is beginning to form. And this is what it says in Deuteronomy 6, verse 6 through 9. I'm reading out of the message version because I like it. It says this, Write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you. Pour in, pour in. Get them inside of you and get them inside of your children. Talk about them. Wherever you are. And where might that be? Well, it could be sitting at home, walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning until the time you fall into bed at night. Tie them on your heads, in your hands, in your foreheads as a reminder. I think about that like get a tattoo about it if you need to. Right? Just don't put it on your forehead. Inscribe them on the doorposts of your homes and on your city gates. 
Do you see how important this pouring into this direction, this discipleship God had from the very beginning? Parents, it's on you. Do not underestimate your kids' capacity. Do not underestimate Jesus' love. And do not estimate, underestimate the charge or the call that you have in your kids' life. Faith is a lifestyle. Hear me on this. Hear me clearly. Faith is not, spiritual direction is not just going to church. Spiritual direction is not just following some set of rules. It is a lifestyle of faith. And I was thinking, you know, we live in a day and age where church attendance across the world is at an all-time low. And if we look at that and our um, priority of spiritual formation as less than, and we say, oh, that's kind of a nice extra thing to do. Wouldn't it follow, maybe, that your children, as they grow up and they get onto their own and we release them into the big scary world, that they may think, just might think, oh, that's just a nice thing to do. Because what flows into you is what's going to flow out of you. And so I was sitting right here two weeks ago or so, and I was able to look out at a whole bunch of kids that were in front of me. And I said, raise your hand if you're eight years old. And several of them raised their hand. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, let me tell you what happened when I was eight years old. And we were able to sit and talk with them about the love of Jesus for them. And 40 to 50 kids heard about Jesus every night that week. And saying, every move I make, I make in you among many others. We were loud and obnoxious and crazy, and that's just the way I like it. Parents, grandparents, guardians, those without kids yet, pour into the life of the children around you. And most of all, this church, they need you. Now, if you took that, I didn't do the math. I meant to, and I forgot. If I took that 167 hours, multiplied that by four, or 168 hours, multiplied that by four, that's how much, well, actually four point something. That's how many hours would be in a typical week, right? Is it not worth it? to take what God has given you and what's been poured into you and give it back to our children for one hour a month, two hours a month, maybe? You say, I know you're going with this. Well, yeah, it's true. We need you to pour into the life of our kids. And the result of what happens is something like this, where they say, I've decided to follow Jesus. And we can release them into the big, scary world and say, you know what, God? We've done our best. And by the way, we can't protect our kids their whole life. Can I just say, can I just talk as a dad for a second? We cannot protect our kids our whole life. We need to trust God with that and that parenting thing. Pour into them what we can and say, okay, God, you love them more than I ever could. Do what you need to do. 
I've said it before. I've been very cautious with myself to pray this prayer of protection over my kids. I'm not against that. Please do not hear me say that. But the fact of the matter is, I know they're going to make mistakes. I know they're going to screw up. And God's going to use that in their life in a powerful, powerful way. I don't underestimate God's power in that either. And so, church, think about it. How are you pouring in? How are you influencing? Starting in your home and then going beyond that. And then let me say to, the, to everyone here, there's a pastor here who loves your kids and loves your teenagers. And yeah, we're not the perfect church. We don't have everything going for every age group. I get that. But we're going to do our best to pour in what we have to the best of our ability each and every week. And that's what Hope Church is going to do. And I'm committed to that. So how about you? Where are you going to take this today? Make sure you're intentional. Let's pour in. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. <laughs> thank you for seeing us. It does not matter our age at all. You've known us. You've mapped out from before we were even born exactly what was going to happen. And God, I pray through your grace and through people pouring into our lives that we would be all that you want us to be. We'll never be perfect. We'll never have it all together. We're going to make mistakes. But God, thank you for reminding us today that we all have responsibility. Kids have, the respo have a responsibility. Parents have a responsibility. And the church has a responsibility. How do we fit into that? God, I pray blessing here upon every person in this room. I pray blessing upon this church. I pray that you would take us and the very little that we can offer you and multiply it. In Jesus' name.